With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Build, Grow, and Enjoy. An amazing, amazing guy. John Rapp is with us. We're going to go to the telephones, let John do a brief introduction on himself, and then we're going to spend uh, a, a good time here, most of our program here today, talking with John Rapp. John, go ahead and give us a brief introduction on yourself, my friend. Hi, I'm John Rapp from Staten Island. I'm just a regular sort of working guy, except that I make comic books about science fiction. And I draw a lot of inspiration from YouTube videos. And I've been noticing lately these uh, flat earth videos that are up like thousands of percent compared to previous years. And I'm sort of working that in. Um, the flat earth frisbee, which I think we're going to talk about in a minute, yep. is uh, my first sort of step into, you know, publicly in that uh, flat earth debate. But I sort of have a lot to say about it more than just the frisbee but the frisbee's a great like sort of conversation starter you can just look at it and it's got the flat earth map on the top of the frisbee and and you go from there you talk theory looking at the map we've got john rapp with us today he joins us live here in our program talking about a flat earth frisbee tell us uh is there an indiegogo or anything we can uh, get people out there to uh, take a look at while we're while we're talking here today Right. It's if you go to Kickstarter or if you even just Google Flat Earth Frisbee, it'll come up with the Kickstarter project. It, there's a few days. There's just a few days left, um, so you gotta sort of hurry. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, it's only five dollars, which I think you know if you went to the store, you know, I don't know how much frisbees are going for, but considering that I had to design the logo and get them printed, and you know, it's the best I can do. But I think that. Five dollars a fair price. So go to Kickstarter, Flat Earth Frisbee. You can get them there. You can get one if you want it, or you can get them in, you know, a few, or you can get up to a ten pack. That'll reduce the per unit price to about three bucks if you get a ten pack. And there's a postcard that I designed to go with the project that has a um, on the front of it. It has my own sort of idea about how a flat Earth would work. Uh, you have to sort of see this picture. Um, it's it's hard to describe, but it's basically you got to see it. But on the back of the picture, on the back of the postcard, I've got some of the most compelling arguments for the flat Earth, which I think people would be really surprised how solid the uh, theory is. You know, c- considering we all have been told and believed that we live on a sphere, but you know, these flat Earth. Um, Arguments have been building for hundreds of years, um, and they've got them pretty tight at this point. We've got John Rapp with us today, joining us here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, the BGE Radio Network, each and every Friday, here on such great radio stations out of Atlanta, GA. Uh, We thank John Rapp for joining us today. Let's talk a little bit about drawing some distances in uh, video games, uh, using false reality, Uh, sort of like if a tree falls in the woods. Kind of talk to me about that. 
Yeah, that's, um, I think that's the reason for the explosion. It all started, well, I don't know when it started, but the first I heard of it was uh, a few years ago um, on the uh, uh, first-person shooter on the Xbox. For me, it was Halo. Some people might have seen other games. And Halo is a very outdoor game. It has these like outdoor maps and these like mountain ranges and it has oceans and stuff. So the draw distances on an outdoor map become important because there's no you potentially could see, you know, as far as your eye could see, there's no like wall, you know, it's not an interior map. You're not like in a dungeon, you're outdoors. So they need a draw distance, so they need to draw it as far as your potentially eye could see. Uh, so they were drawing, you know, three miles or something like that. And they were drawing it flat, because it's just a video game. It's not like the Earth. They're just drawing it flat. And um, it looked pretty good. You know, they would do these three or five mile draw distances, and, it, and they were flat, and it looked pretty good. So that was like 10 years ago. Uh, fast forward to the future, now I'll use Grand Theft Auto V as an example, which is, I believe, one of the two most popular games on um, Xbox right now and some of the other systems as well. The draw distances are many miles. And in fact, you can go up in planes, helicopters, rockets, balloons, all the things you can do in real life. You can can have, have like submarines. You can do that stuff in GTA V. And it's got these draw distances that go on multi miles. And they look good. And they're still flat. Now, how is this how is this possible that you know we live on a, a spherical Earth and um, these video games that are rendered flat, they look um, they look real. So, I mean, they're not real. And this is the uh, the tree falls in the woods thing. Is um, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, does it make a sound? Well, in a video game, it doesn't. There needs to be a player within a certain radius, and it renders. So, for example, in GTA 5, it might be, the map might be spherical, but it renders in a flat radius around the player. So, it's not like it's, a, it's, if you were to travel, it would be, in theory, a sphere, but if you were to look, it would be flat. And in fact, it, this is sort of an anecdote, so you can't quote Halo or GTA 5 in this, but this is sort of an anecdote that I've heard from the gaming world is that when they try to account some developers, some programmers, some of the guys who make the engines that the other games run on, they try to develop a world using the spherical geometry that they know to exist uh, in the world, like using physics, using you know astrophysics and cosmology and the things we know about the universe. And when they try to render a spherical Earth in the video game, they ended up getting towers, they ended up getting buildings that would lean like the Tower of Pisa. And of course, that's not what we see in reality. If you look, whether it's in a video game or you look from a real-life helicopter, you can see a city that's like 30 miles away, and the buildings are perfectly straight. And so in the video game, they're perfectly straight because it's a flat video game world. And if they tried to make it bend like the curve of the Earth, the building would bend. And that wouldn't look right, so they don't do that. Now, you can ask a physicist, why is that? Why is the video game rendered uh, flat and it looks like the real world that's curved? 
And the answer is a light refraction. So that's the official answer. So, you know, I, we can um, sort of, I'll, I'll leave that at the end of the video game. I have some other ideas, but let me sort of send it back to you on that note. We've got John Rapp with us today. He joins us uh, here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. He joins us live today talking about his flat earth frisbee, and uh, he joins us here on BGE Radio. Um, now, you were talking uh, th th there about some game engineers experimenting with building earth curvature into video game draw distances with buildings that ended up looking like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, I want to follow up here. Round satellite images from NASA and Google Earth are actually composites. Worse, they are composites of image provided by subcontractors and put into models that are assumed to be uh, basically balls before any of the images are mapped on. Explain that to our uh, audience. Right. Um, when you go and use Google Earth, or if you look at pictures from NASA, but I would say sort of for your own experimenting, you would use Google Earth because it's an interactive program. You can sort of lift the camera up and you could spin the Earth around. And it's actually a lot of fun to use. You can like, you know, start with your house and you can bring the camera up to, you know, plane height and you could rotate the Earth underneath you and fly down in any part of the world you want and it's very cool but it's not like there's one satellite that's like circling the earth and taking the entire image on google earth now i can't speak again i can't speak officially for google earth but you know what i've learned from reading articles and watching videos is that what you see on google earth is composite images that are taken from multiple sources multiple contractors create these images with various, you know, satellites and spy planes and whatever other technology they use to take these pictures. And then these pictures, they're overlapping. So they need to be combined together. That makes them a composite image. And they need to be combined together in some way. So like, for example, if you ever see a square map, that's, you know, usually if you book an airline, they show you the rectangular map that's called the Mercator projection. That's one projection. The sphere Earth, whether you assume that this is, you know, the correct shape of the Earth or not, it's still a projection because it's still, you know, a model that you have to map these images onto. So it's like, imagine if you took a basketball and you wallpapered a bunch of satellite images of the Earth onto it until you constructed a globe. In a digital way, that's what Google Earth is doing. So they've got, you know, piles and piles of images. They're not piles, they're actually folders full of files. But they've got all these images, and they've got a model that they're sticking the images onto, and the model is like a perfect sphere. Now, if you ask uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson what's the shape of the Earth, he tells you it's an oblate spheroid, which is kind of like a pumpkin shape. I mean, that's not what you see on Google Earth, because Google Earth is composite images layered onto a perfect sphere. So you're getting composite images laid into an assumed model. These images come from multiple sources. There's no one sort of definitive image that tells you, that puts everything in perspective without assumptions. And you might say, well, I'll just go to NASA. They have, you know, they're these space people. Turns out NASA does the same thing. They make composites of overlapping images, too. Uh, I mean, they do them great. I mean, you know, they look amazing. But um, 
they're composites, you know. John Rapp with us today joins us here on our program, Build, Grow, and Enjoy, from BGE out of Atlanta, GA. Now, you were mentioning the Hubble telescope. It has basically the same problem, similar to an electron microscope. Tell us a little bit about this. Right. Uh, If you studied in school, maybe you saw pictures from an electron microscope or maybe even got to look at one. So an electron microscope, which you can see in your local you know, science classroom or, you know, at least university, someone who has money, to get such a microscope. It's not like Galileo with his multi-lens, you know, telescoping, you know, apparatus to see the stars. This is a uh, device that, you know, sends waves and times the the, uh, return of the, the wave, and it uses that to calculate what it's seeing. So let's say it's seeing some germ or whatever it's seeing, some tiny microscopic thing. So it comes back with basically a black and white, um, kind of like a wire mesh image. That's the same thing that Hubble Hubble Telescope does. It's, um, It's the same concept. There's like, you see these great pictures from NASA, amazing looking images, and they're coming from something that doesn't take pictures it collects data and that data needs to be rendered and the rendering is based on formulas that were already written which were based on I don't want to call that I mean based on theory I mean to me I I feel like calling them assumptions because I feel like anything that's not you know it's like when we went from the analog world to the digital world Um, in the digital world you capture data and you reproduce it. That's why you don't have static in digital. You know this as a radio person. So that's why the images from NASA are perfect. There's not like someone's taking a picture. Someone's collecting data. They're collecting that data and turning that into a picture. So you just need to be aware of that. I'm not saying that it's necessarily wrong, uh, but sometimes when you see an image that's like too good to believe, I mean, there's a reason. It's, it's probably a reason. It looks so amazingly good. It's because it was finished by the art department. It was, you know, the computer made a, um, you know, it was collected as data, like an Excel spreadsheet. The computer rendered it into a, a wire mesh model, and then an artist finished it using, you know, some more collected data as guidance. But in the end, it's it's a, almost a painting. We've got John Rapp with us today. He joins us here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. The BGE Radio Network each and every Friday on such great radio stations out of Atlanta, GA. Uh, The flat map reveals the secret that the ball is hiding. If you divide the flat map into eight pizza slices, you see that we have very little information on one slice. It's the slice with Easter Island. Tell us more, John. Oh, yeah. This, this one's uh, my favorite. And in fact, I haven't heard the uh, Flat Earthers on YouTube talk about it. Not that I've seen every video, but I've seen some of the most popular guys. And um, they like to talk about how Antarctic, um, on the Flat Earth map, Antarctica goes around the outside. So on a normal sphere globe or map projected based on the concept of sphere, you have the North Pole at the top, you have the South Pole at the bottom, The South Pole is somewhere in the middle of the continent of Antarctica. On the flat Earth map, it's the disk, 
disc-shaped. The North Pole is at the center, and Antarctica goes all the way around the outside. And you see this on the Frisbee. This is one of the reasons I made the Frisbee. It's just to sort of get that visual out there to help the conversation. So some of these people on YouTube who do these flat earth videos, they want to know what's beyond that Antarctic ice wall. Could you climb that wall? Could you fly over it? Could you send a balloon? Could you go see what's there? And they're sort of taking bets on what's there. Some people say it's a wasteland. Some people say you'll end up on the other side and it's just regular Antarctica as we understand. Uh, some people say it's a dome and we're locked in. And then some people say, well, if you take the right angle or if you just keep going in any angle you take, you'll eventually get to another flat Earth or another flat whatever. I think geothermal pod is the popular term for it. This idea that we're living in a um, ice age and our what we believe to be Earth is one sort of cutout of that ice or one sort of heated up you know, puddle, and that maybe you can get to others. But I think, I think they're overlooking something um, that we can more easily check than what's beyond Antarctica. So if you look at that flat Earth map, there's more ways than one. There's more ways be besides Antarctica that it differs from the rectangular Mercator uh, projection. In fact, here's an experiment. If you ever fly a multi-continental route, especially one where it stops for gas, map the three points on the Mercator projection, where you start flying, where you're finishing, and where the plane stops to refuel. On the Mercator projection, you often get a, um, a triangular sort of route. For example, if you went from Auckland to Santiago and you stopped to refuel in San Francisco, you're, go you're going from southern hemisphere to southern hemisphere, but you're stopping in the northern hemisphere to gas up. doesn't make sense on the Mercator projection. But on the flat Earth map, it's a perfectly straight line. So if you assume that the Mercator projection is distorted, and I think based on how many people use the flat Earth map, like the you know, Civil Aeronautics, U.S. Geological Survey, International weather and international maritime. In fact, even the UN uses this flat earth map. Uh, you start to become convinced that maybe that, you know, Google Earth map and that Mercator projection, maybe the continents are not quite at the right angles because you would think that the plane would want to fly straight. And on a flat earth map, if you plot the to, from, and gas point, it ends up being straight. I wish I could show you a picture here, tough to do on the radio, but Auckland to Santiago stopping in San Francisco. Plot that one on Mercator and then Flat Earth and see what it looks like. So let's say you then say, okay, there's something to this. These uh, continents are at these angles and these positions. Well, what becomes interesting when you assume that is that there's a lot of space that we don't go to. In fact, that whole that Pacific Ocean would become much bigger than we realize it is. Um, in fact, if you were to take the flat Earth map and cut it up into eight pieces like a pizza pie, you would find that there's one slice that we don't go to, and that's the one slice <laughs> that happens to have that Easter Island in it. But it's a whole. It's not. It, you know, it's like an eighth of our 
world if this map is correct and we only know about like this you know one little area in it and that, that one little area happens to be one of the most fascinating places I don't know I want I want to check that out see what else is there I mean maybe there's maybe it's just water but even the water let's see what's in the water you know there's probably some big uh, sea creatures where they've got a lot of uh, water to work with who knows what's out there We've got John Rapp with us today. He joins us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. And uh, he's with us today talking about this incredible flat earth frisbee. Uh, we were talking a little bit about flat earth there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Indiegogo campaign before we, uh, before we keep talking here. Give us a refresher on that. What exactly are you trying to do? The link, all the stuff. Tell us about it. Let's get the advertising here, my friend. Well... It's on Kickstarter. If you go to Kickstarter and search either Frisbee, Flat Earth, or Flat Earth Frisbee, anything will take you there. So it's, um, it's a Frisbee. It's not the sort of official uh, Frisbee size for competitive reasons. It's, uh, it's about 10-inch uh, Frisbee. It has uh, a blue color to it, sort of like the blue waters. And on white, it has the Flat Earth map on top of it. So, just a frisbee for five bucks, you get a ten pack for thirty-three bucks, and um, you get a postcard with it, which shows one of these concepts for you know what's beyond the flat Earth. And my particular concept, which is not based on any science, it's more based on science fiction because I like to write science fiction. I've got you've got to you really have to go to the Kickstarter just to see this image. It's uh, it's a polygon sphere with 20 panels. Each panel is a triangle. Each triangle has its own flat earth pod in it. So like if you just look at it from one angle, you know, I'm seeing like seven of these flat earth pods. And uh, they're in these triangles, so they end up looking like that, you know, all seeing eye in the triangle, but they're flat earth pods in a triangle. And another thing you see on that triangle is some ways if you were to, you know, leave over the Antarctic ice wall, you would go to like to nowhere land on certain, on most directions. But then there's a few directions where if you get them just right, you would go to another flat earth pod very quickly. It's almost like right there if you happen to go the right direction. Um, and by the way, just the way, it, it, even though I wrote this purely as science fiction, um, what looks interesting is that those, um, those connecting points they happen to be exactly at, like, South Africa, you know, the tip of South America, and Australia. And like, each, like each um, flat Earth disk has three connecting points, and they all happen to be right, you know, where those continents end. So that's sort of amazing. So, you know, or you can just say, that's why I picked it for the science fiction, because I just created this. I have no way of knowing if, you know, if there's any truth to it or if it's just a, an idea. But you, if you go to the Kickstarter, you can see that. So if you go to the Kickstarter, you place an order for five bucks, you get the postcard with the picture, some of the fl compelling flat earth arguments on the back, and the Frisbee. So you get the Frisbee for five bucks plus the postcard. Or get multiple ones if you want. But at least go to the, the Kickstarter so you can see that second image. And if you go to the updates on the Kickstarter, you'll see um, some of the other ideas. Uh, I'll just mention one of them. So the International Space Station, 
if you follow that, you know, NASA has that satellite floating with people living on it. So if you take that map, if you take that route of the International Space Station on a uh, spherical map, it's making this like parabolic route that goes uh, northern hemisphere to southern hemisphere and back again and, and this like seemingly crazy route that it takes. But if you plot that route from the spherical map or the Mercator projection and you put it onto the flat Earth map, it becomes a perfect circle. <laughs> the ISS on the flat Earth map is just making a circle. It's like a hula hoop going around and around. It like might shift its like center point a little bit, but it's just making circles, just doing laps up there. So that's pretty cool. You can see that and some of the other interesting updates, and I'll add a few more updates before the project ends. So whether you're going to order the Frisbee or not, you want to go and take a look at that project on Kickstarter, Flat Earth Frisbee. We've got John Rapp with us today. He joins us here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, talking about the Flat Earth Frisbee. An amazing conversation today with this very, very intelligent individual. John Rapp has a Flat Earth Frisbee, and it is uh, just absolutely, absolutely amazing. Let's talk movie plots like Time Travel and Aliens. They work better on Flat Earth. Explain. Yeah, uh, so that's the funny thing, is um, Kickstarter, uh, not Kickstarter, YouTube 2015 is like flooded with flat earth videos. It's like 30,000 so far this year. 2014 was a pretty good year for flat earth videos. There were 500, so it's way up in 2015, but it was on the map in 2014. Now here's the crazy thing. In 2013, I started writing comic books. The first one was called Electromagnet. And um, the, in this comic book, the part plot, the major part of the plot is uh, they're trying to, they being the enemies in the comic book, they're trying to build this grid system where they cover the entire Earth with um, towers or antennas so they can sort of electronically control. It's, you know, you got to read the whole comic book. But basically, they're trying to cover the entire Earth in radio towers and uh, I sort of was inspired by this idea by all the uh, cell phone towers that you see pop up lots of times you'll see like American flags and you'll see they look like extra chunky and you think why the American flag is so chunky oh it's actually a radio tower and there's a lot of things like that there's a lot of towers that you don't realize that are hidden places um, there's also towers surrounding the land like um, these um, oil drilling rigs. Well, I mean, they're, kind of, they're oil drilling rigs, but they also have towers with communications equipment on them. So that's the book I started writing. And um, as I was writing it, I was sort of um, embarrassed that um, I was using towers, not satellites, because I know, like in Independence Day, they're using satellites because of the curvature of the Earth. They've got to use satellites for communications and I'm thinking people are going to think I'm an idiot because I'm using you know something that would only work on a flat earth and in fact I have a couple other scenes that are things that only work on a flat earth they wouldn't work um, but at some point I just embraced the concept and I just told the readers uh, you know this comic book has alternative physics alternative history alternative cosmology it's just a comic book don't worry about it <laughs> you know that's how I said in 2013, but now it's suddenly become, this flat earth is becoming a popular concept. And I think that science fiction 
could be one of the things that's making it popular because I picked this flat earth because I just wanted to do my sci-fi on a flat earth. And I think that a lot of other people are going to like it for that same reason. For example, one thing that's never seemed to work in movies is time travel. You know, there's a lot of, you know, obstacles, and you watch a movie about time travel, and then you think up 50 reasons why it doesn't work. And one of the main reasons it doesn't work is um, the Earth is moving. In our current cosmology, the Earth is traveling thousands of miles per hour. Well, if you traveled, you know, 25 years to the past, the Earth is millions of miles away from where it used to be. I mean, you're going to end up in the middle of space. That's not going to work. But on the flat Earth model, where the Earth is, you know, flat and stationary, time travel, at least theoretically, it works. Another popular concept in movies is aliens, but it's tough to do alien movies. You can have Star Trek, where you're, like, traveling around, uh, you know, to visit the aliens. Or you could have a movie, you know, like Independence Day, where the aliens come here, but then they don't come back for, like, 50 years because they're coming from far away the same concept in Ender's Game, where you travel there. But on the flat Earth, where you have this pod model, aliens could be just in another pod. They could get here in a day, or they can get here at least in a couple of days. And um, it becomes more realistic and even more threatening if you think about that some of the people who make the movies, uh, you know, there's this concept that a book gets written or a movie gets made and all of a sudden there's something like that in the news 10 or 20 years or 30 years later. Well, you're, they've been making movies about aliens for 100 years, but no aliens have showed up yet. Well, because the aliens are more than 100 years away on the current cosmology. But on the flat Earth cosmology, they could be like a week away. So, may, you know, if you want aliens here, whether it's for your sci-fi or for news, I mean, you can get them here quickly on a flat Earth. So we've got the communications, you know, on the flat Earth, you can sort of enclose a population. You've got time travel, doable on a flat Earth. Aliens, a day or two away on the flat Earth. I think it's got a lot of sci-fi potential. And then everyone who works in the industry, I mean, do they want to keep making Star Trek and Star Wars, or do they want to a chance to reboot and give the young guys a chance to write some new fiction? I mean, George Lucas is not going to switch to flat Earth cosmology now. So it's a sort of chance to get on the ground floor and to make some sci-fi that's more believable. Uh, I don't know. You know, this might be too much. I mean, if you can't get the science establishment to go along with Flat Earth, then, you know, it might just seem ridiculous in the sci-fi. But maybe not. I think it's interesting. I think if it becomes popular, you'll see more of it. John Rapp with us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. We've got a little bit more time left here with John Rapp on our uh, on our program this week. Uh, John, uh, before we get back into uh, the next topic here, let's give uh, the folks that are tuning in late or, uh, or, or, or didn't get the details the first time, explain to us uh, what you're doing with Kickstarter. Yeah, it's a Frisbee. Uh, I've been, on, I've been going, doing a Kickstarter project every month uh, for my new outlet that I call Annadale Comics, which is basically just comic books that I write. At some point, I'll, I'll get some other people involved, but I don't have a lot of money to work with, so I just write them myself, and, um, and I collaborate with freelancers to draw them, and then I do a project each month on Kickstarter. So I have some comic books to finish, but I wanted to keep making a monthly project because I have this monthly um, 
I call it a vote card because um, it's basically a postcard, but I call it a vote card because I do one every month, and the more people who back the project, the better the project gets. Like, so for example, right now I have um, a Frisbee that's on Kickstarter. If you search Flat Earth Frisbee, you can see it. And I have a postcard, and I call that postcard a vote card because if 100 people back the project, which means buy the postcard or the Frisbee or both, then I'm going to unlock the next portion of the Kickstarter, which in this case would be the Flat Earth map on a circular mouse pad, which I think will also look cool. So we'll have the Flat Earth Frisbee and the Flat Earth mouse pad if we get 100 backers. And then if we get 200 backers, I'll unlock something else. Because, I mean, I'm not like a billionaire. You know, people need to back the project for me to place the order uh, for the product as, and get a volume discount, and then I mail them out to everybody. So, like, if you try to buy just, you know, design a Frisbee or a mouse pad and just print one for yourself, I mean, if you're just doing it for yourself, you probably can do it, like, 20, 25 bucks in a few hours of your time. But if we do it, if 100 of us get together and place the order, like, through this Kickstarter, then I spend a couple hours designing it, we order in volume, we get the price down to, you know, $5 per unit, something like that. And then, you know, plus shipping, so i got to ship them out to everybody. But still, you know, you probably get it for $10 instead of $25. So the kick, I, I'm thinking this Kickstarter is the sort of flat earth um, tchotchke central. You know, we're starting with a Frisbee. We've got a goal of a mouse pad, and we can do more stuff if we get more backers. So I, I want to sort of get the flat earth community together on this kickstarter frisbees i don't know is it the coolest thing should we have done the mouse pad first i don't know but uh, let's start somewhere and i started with the frisbee because that's the idea that was fun to me I, I think i've even heard people describe the flat earth as like oh it's like a frisbee like instead like you know the spherical earth is like a ball the flat earth is like a frisbee so i sort of went with that and i actually ordered as a test print i ordered the first 50 so i've got them I mean, they're right here. There's a box from sitting right next to me. So that's like a guarantee. You know, you place the order, I'll ship it out to you. We've got John Rapp with us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Intercontinental plane routes are straight lines on a flat Earth map. Explain. Sure. Uh, we mentioned this before with the, uh, the flight from Auckland to... Um, Santiago, Oakland to Santiago that stops in San Francisco. They've got other flights. In fact, a very popular hub, intercontinental flight hub, is Abu Dhabi, which if you look on the flat earth map where that is, um, it's somewhat central. Um, if you're flying from Australia or from, let's say, South America to Africa or to Australia or to New Zealand, you might be taking a route that both starts and ends in the uh, southern hemisphere. But it stops to gas um, north of there, of both of those places, in Abu Dhabi. And there's tons of, it's like a transit hub, there's tons of flights to stop there and refuel. Why would they be doing this? Like, if this isn't on the way, why would they be doing this? So my challenge to the listeners is, next time you're you book an international flight, or you even think about booking an international flight, you're just like looking at them, thinking what you want to do. 
map the take a look at the map that they give you the travel site gives you it's probably going to be the rectangular mercator projection projection now a rectangle already tells you something's wrong because rectangles don't fit on a sphere they fit on cans like a Campbell's soup can so and then if you look at the flight route it's probably going to show it with this arc this curve and you might think in your head why is the plane taking a curve why are they not ta taking a straight line from point A to point B and then if you if it's a long flight that stops to refuel or to let passengers on and off that's going to be a really good one because now even if you plot the route yourself and not look at what the airline gives you you're going to end up with a triangle triangular route starts at point a goes to point b stops at c to refuel and makes this you know might even be like a right angle or some type of you know triangular route to get there okay so you sort of plotted that route on the mercator projection put that on half your screen on the other half of your screen go to my kickstarter project where we've got a picture of the flat earth frisbee take a screenshot of that and plot those same points on the frisbee and you'll find that it's a it becomes a straight line I mean I don't even know which I don't have to know what route you're taking because I've seen enough of these to know that you're gonna see something that's gonna make you question <laughs> at least the, if nothing else at least it's gonna make you question the Mercator projection that triangular that sorry rectangular map that you see all the time because the routes are triangles on the Mercator projection but they're straight lines or at least a lot closer to a straight line on the flat earth circular map so airlines they want to save money on gas they want to save time they want to make straight routes what if one map is showing you a straight line and the other map is showing you a triangle I mean one of them's probably closer to reality than the other one and, and I'll let the listener determine for themselves which one they think it is We've got uh, John Rapp with us today. He joins us here on our program on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Um, we've got a, uh, a a great offer here for you about the uh, the Frisbee. Go ahead, and uh, we've got a few moments here. Um, go ahead and uh, tell us about this uh, great offer again, how people can donate, contribute, and do all that, and then we'll wrap up the program here. Okay. It's uh, go to Kickstarter. Search Flat Earth Frisbee. Uh, you get the Frisbee and a postcard for five bucks. It's um, the way Kickstarter works. It's technically you're like donating, but I'm also agreeing to send you a reward. So you'll you'll get basically for five bucks you'll get the Frisbee. Um, there was one other thing um, I wanted to mention. And it's going back to this flat earth because I know that um, people, when they hear it, they kind of think like they don't want to fill their brain with nonsense. Like, that's too stupid. Like, um, the earth is a sphere and they just know that, you know, they don't want to talk about flat earth. So I wanted to mention the, the one reason. I don't know if it's the one reason, but I want to mention a reason that I think that even, you know, these most ardent supporter of um, spherical earth science would I would hope agree with and here's the reason if you watch some of the science um, 
programs that are on TV, you'll see a lot of science that mentions things like um, wormholes, um, dark matter, quantum entanglement, all these like really fanciful concepts, faster than light speed and these kind of things, these things that you don't think sound plausible, but we're told that the science checks out. You know, and I, and I think that what that tells me is that, let me use an example of what that tells me first. Let's say you're building a Lego puzzle, if you have kids and you build Legos with them. You make a mistake, but you don't realize it and you keep building. And then it's like an hour later and the thing doesn't fit together anymore. And um, you can either start, you can either make it, so force it fit by doing a lot of additional mistakes to sort of make the pieces fit together, or you can undo the Lego puzzle to an hour ago where you made the mistake, start from where you knew it was still correct, and then build again very carefully. So I think this is the, the state we're in right now. I don't know where or when something went wrong with science, but I think when they're making all these wormholes and dark matter and all this stuff that we can't even conceptualize, I think that there's something wrong. And I think that the same way that people have taken to YouTube and become citizen journalists, I think now is the time for people to go to YouTube and become citizen theorists. And I think going back to a time when we thought the Earth was flat and sort of redoing the science that we already did like three, four hundred years ago, whatever, maybe like the top universities don't want to do that, but maybe that's an opportunity for people on YouTube to do that and start compiling the results because maybe you're going to avoid the mistake this time. Like, if you assume that there was some mistake made and we've been compounding on it by believing it was true for 50, 100, 150 years, whatever it is, then this is the chance to go back to, okay, let's try to measure the shape of the Earth. Let's start from there, and then let's start building the science forward again, and maybe we can get to the correct cosmology without all the stuff that sounds like science fiction. Um, so I think that's one of the goals, and um, the way the Frisbee ties into that, the Flat Earth Frisbee on Kickstarter, is you go to Kickstarter, you put down your five bucks, you get the Frisbee. You now have this Frisbee in your hand with a flat earth map on it, and you can start a conversation with someone. Because if you try to start it without that map in your hand, and you try to explain it, you're just going to hear laughter. I mean, who wants to hear about flat earth? It, just, it just sounds like so crazy. But when you've got the, the disc in your hand, and you can start talking, and you can start saying all the reasons why you want to retrace um, your steps on this science, and this cosmology of the earth, I think you will find something of value. I don't know what, what shape of the earth you're going to find, uh, but I think you will find some value. Well, John, I appreciate you being with us today. Thanks for being on our broadcast, and uh, good luck with the project, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, Jiggy. Thank you, my friend. We're going to take a time out. We'll see you next week here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.